make an error, it takes a process. Amen? And it takes time. When they invite me and my son, you can take a seat, please. When they invite me and my sons for a conference, and they hear my son Emilio preach, my son Edgar be in God's presence, worshiping the Lord, they come and ask me about the what, what Christian college that you send your son Emilio so he can learn how to preach? What school did you took him to so he can learn how to preach? And uh, my answer is this. I didn't send him to new school. I kept it with me when he was growing up in God's presence. Every conference, every service, everywhere they invite me and my wife, I used to take my sons, and they were under the anointing of the Holy Spirit when they were growing up in the Lord. So you don't make, a, you don't make an error in a week or in two weeks. It's a lifetime process. You work with the error when the error is still young. And you teach them the ways of the Lord. And you let them see how you praise the Lord. You let them see how you serve the Lord. You let them see how you pray. And you let them see how you take care of problems when the problems come against you. And then you allow them to see that you're not a quitter. You take a stand for Jesus and you pray it in the name of Jesus. And you allow your sons to grow up next to you seeing what you're doing for the Lord. The Bible says, raise your children in the ways of the Lord when they are little. So when they are grown, they will not apart from them. Making an arrow takes time. And it's a process. Now this is my second generation. This is my grandson. Amen. And I got I got three more. I mean, let's see. I got four more. Five, five, six more grandsons and daughters. I forgot about it. And uh We try to do with them what we do with my sons. Amen. Now it's a, it's a joy in my heart when I see my son bringing, bringing his wife and his children to the conference. Because that's the way that he was taught when he was little. Now he's following the steps. Don't wait to day 16, 18 so you can try to bring him to the ways of the Lord, man. It's going to be too late. You bring them when they're little. Don't believe what people say. They want to get boring. It's too much church. It's never too much church. My son Emilio and my son Edgar, they grew up in the things of the Lord. They grew up in conferences. They grew up in the church. They're happy. They're joyful. They didn't miss nothing out there. As a matter of fact, they are, they are men of God. Fighting the spiritual warfare and Next to me and my wife. My daughter, she's here. Fighting the spirit to work. Next to me and my wife. Don't ever see your children like they're getting in your way. Because at the end, it's the only ones that are going to stand with you. 
Even your greatest disciples sometimes can turn around and backstab you on your back. But your sons, they always going to stay with you. Your daughter's going to stay with you. When you get an oily wrinkle, your sons and your daughter's going to take care of you. So when you start making an error, it's when they're little, when they're when they growing up. Amen? You, you can go ahead and go. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or something, but I get so emotional sometimes. <laughs> Let's, the title the Lord gave me this morning is The Father and His Quiver. Amen? And we're going to open up with Psalms 20, Psalms 127. Psalms 127. It was a funeral at the church one time. And everybody attended to the funeral. And the person that died was, it was the pastor of the church. He was, he died. So they were having a funeral in the church. <clears throat> and everybody, one by one, started going to the front and, and standing in front of the in front of the coffin, and say, I remember my pastor, I remember my pastor, when he used to go pray for me, I remember my pastor, when he used to go talk to me and my wife, I remember my pastor. And then somebody else go up there and, oh, I remember my pastor, every time I call him at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, he answered the phone, and, and he, he was there for me. And also, one after another one, finally, his children raise up and go to the coffin and talk to Stand in front of the in front of the pastor and say, can't remember nothing. Because my dad was never around. He was always take care of somebody else and not us. Don't get too busy in the things of the Lord. Don't get too busy in the fame. Don't get too puffed up in the way the people follow you, the people think about you. Family come first. That's the first ministry that God has given you. If you stand behind this pulpit and you ain't, got no, you ain't got your family with you, you're not a good example for the New Testament priest. Because in the Old Testament, it used to be a physical. The priest needs to be a physical, complete man. No defects on it. So he can be an example of the man. But now in the New Testament, the example that a man of God is supposed to give it's when he's preaching behind the pulpit, his wife and his children are right there listening next to him. That's the kind of man we need nowadays. Don't run around thinking about you're going to get famous. Don't run around thinking about you're going to be a leader, a pastor. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. That's, that's a beautiful thing. But before you're a pastor, you're a father. Before you're a pastor, you're a husband. Before you are pastor, you're the man of the house. Don't forget that. You don't want to gain the whole world and lose your family. I'm afraid it's going to be a lot of pastors go to heaven with a bunch of disciples and Jesus is going to say, hey, where's your wife and where's your kids? I don't know, Lord. I was too busy winning drug addicts that I lose my sons. I was too busy winning homegirls that I lose my wife. Our first calling is to be a man in the house. Our first calling is to be a father. 
to be a provider, to be a protector, to be the man that stay in the house. See, when I used to be a drug addict, I never, I never around my house. So my family never see me when I was a drug addict. Now a lot of men of God become Christians, become pastors, and they got the same problem. The wife never sees them because they're always in the streets. They're always in the streets doing something. I mean, pastor, you're not going to get too busy that you ain't got time to take your wife and your family with you and the, and the work of the Lord. This is the only work where you can take a whole family with you. And God pays for it. God pays for it. Man, I, I, I get upset when I hear pastors complaining about, no, I didn't bring my wife and family because it's too expensive. Too expensive. It's not even your money. Oh, it's too expensive, but to bring my wife and my family. It's not even your money, brother. It's not even your money. It's God's money. And the amen and God is nice teaching. God is always provide. <clears throat> amen. If you got you got a lot of family like me, well buy a little bus. Instead of be driving in you a little bit of car, you know you got a big family. Buy a big bus. Buy a greyhound. And I remember growing up in the ministry, <clears throat> going to the conferences. As soon as we get together with the pastors and <clears throat> the pastor's office, hey, how many homeboys do you bring? Hey, how many homegirls do you got? How many events you got? And nobody say, hey, how's your family? Where's your sons? Where's your wife? Oh, she can come to the conference, Pastor, because she was busy. Busy in what? You're the one that she needs to be taken care of. I don't think they're going to invite me again, but it's okay. How many homeboys you got? And they walk into the office with 15, 16 homeboys like, like a rooster. <laughs> hey, do this, do that. Yes, sir. Yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. Where's your sons? Where's your daughters? Sometimes pastor's preaching and his wife is in the mall shopping. And you stand behind this puppet screaming and yelling to all of us. You can even say nothing in your house because they kick you out of your house. <laughs> Holy Ghost, help me. <laughs> My pastor, you say, when I say the, 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 the donkey is black, it's because I got the hairs in my hand. I always tell the disciples, I'm not going to take you farther than I have gone. And I'm not going to tell you to give something that I never give in my life. I'll be a hypocrite. I'm never going to tell you to do something that i never done in my life. But I'm going to tell you where the Lord has taken me. 
When we opened the home in 2005, my pastor told me, well, you need to leave your house and go live with the homeboys because they need, a par- they need a parents. Because the problem nowadays, there's no parents in the house. You don't want to have a home with no parents because you want to have a messed up home. And left my house. I leave my house. Me and my wife. We got the house back in 87. We used to live in the house for 20 years. We leave everything in the house. We move into the home. So if you're thinking about opening a home. And you want to have your own town home. Your own condominium. Away from the home. You got the wrong vision brother. Because the home need a mother and a father. That's the problem nowadays. There's no parents in the home. There's a lot of elder brothers. They don't care about the young brothers. They need parents in the home. If we're going to do something in the kingdom of God, we need to start in our house. A lot of parents, they want the children's church to raise the kids. A lot of parents, they want the youth ministry to raise the children. Sometimes nowadays, man, the youth pastors are more messed up than the youth. I had a youth pastor calling me one time and say, hey, pastor, I don't understand the youth nowadays. They're always talking about drugs and they're always talking about this. I don't know, pastor. I think I need to go do drugs with them so I can understand them. I said, who's your pastor? Let me talk to your pastor. I said, number one, you should not allow these kids to talk about drugs when they're in the classroom. You should have the, you should have the, 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 the word God preached to them instead of you be listening to what they say. But nowadays we got a lot of youth pastors and a lot of pastors, they listen to the congregation. What do you want me to preach? You want me to pre- Okay, you don't want to get offended. Okay, let me preach on this. Don't, don't let the youth ministry raise your children. Don't let the children just raise. You raise your children at your house. It's your responsibility, father. It's your responsibility, mother. You want to be a mother of the 20, 30, 35-year-old homeboy when you can even be a mother of your own children. You want to be teaching the homeboys how to cook when you can even teach your own little girl how to cook. I'm telling you, I'm not going to get offering this time. But God is good. Amen. God is good. The father and his quiver. Psalms 127, 127 verse 3 to 5. Let's read. Sons are the heritage from the Lord. Children's a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of the warrior. As the sons born in the one's youth. Blesses the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies at the gate. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Let me go ahead and pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I come to your presence this morning, Lord. Give you all the honor and all the glory, Lord. Holy Spirit, don't let me say what I want to say. But you put your words in my mouth, Holy Spirit. Remind me everything that I must say, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Talking about arrows, amen. I grew up in a house with eight brothers and four sisters. 
My father had eight arrows, twelve arrows in his hands. But he's not a, he was not a good boy. He didn't do nothing with us. I love my father. I respect my father until the day he died. I win him for Christ. Even though he, know, he, he was not the perfect father, but my position was to respect my father, not to judge my father. But I can talk about that in his understanding, he tried to do his best, but he didn't do it in the ways of the Lord. He didn't raise me to be a straight arrow. He raised me to be a crooked arrow. Don't never give your wife all your money. And I always have two wives in case one get upset. That was, the, that was the doctrine that he was teaching me when I was little. So he was, he was shooting me for destruction. He didn't raise me to be a good arrow. And I grew up for 31 years of my life being a crooked arrow. But then one day, thank you Jesus, for one day, the Lord Jesus Christ reached me. And saved me. And put me on the hands of a pastor. And he started teaching me the ways of the Lord. Thank you Jesus for those pastors. They're not afraid. Thank you Jesus for those pastors. They rebuke the disciples. Thank you Jesus for the disciples. They don't want to have a bunch of friends. But they want to have a spiritual sons. And he began to rebuke me. He began to teach me. He began to strain me up through the word of God. I found out what it was to be a father and I found out what it was to be a husband when I came to the Lord. I got married when I was 18. I didn't know how to be a father or a husband. I got married because everybody was getting married. You know? Oh, he's getting married. I'm going to get married too. I didn't know what I was doing. But thank you, Jesus, for the man of God. I was an arrow in my father's hand, but he didn't do nothing with me. He didn't discipline me. He didn't correct me. He teach me to do the wrong things. And then I grew up. I was 10 years old back in 1971. And I started making errors. Oh, yeah. I almost go to jail when I was 10 years old. Because I, I put an error in that boy's head. I almost go to jail. So when I was listening to this preaching, when I was listening to the men talking about the arrows, the Lord reminded me when I was 10 years old, and I was making arrows. And I was making bows already when I was 10 years old. And it's a process. See, now and then you can go to Walmart, you can buy arrows and bows. A lot of pastors buying arrows and bows nowadays. Hey, I got a position for you in the church. Hey. I got a pastor position open in my church. You can come. You, you, can, you see, like you're a good pastor. They don't want to make no arrows. They want to buy arrows. Three for five dollars in Walmart. Look, if you come with me, I give you a cell phone. I give you a van. I give you your own room. I give you a TV. And you want to buy arrows. Because you don't know how to make arrows. 
I gotta be careful when I come to the conference with a bunch of arrows and I see a pastor with no arrows. Hey, come on, get away here, man. Get away here, man. Don't forget who your pastor. Yeah, but pastors steal arrows sometimes. Before you know, they're over there talking with them in the corner. Hey, what are you doing in the community? You ain't doing nothing in the community. Over here, man. I can give you a position, man. I'll give you a phone. I'll give you a house. Man. Then you go back to your house with your disciple. And, you know what, Pastor? I've been thinking the Lord called me over there to the other minister, Pastor. Yeah, pastors like to buy arrows because they're too busy with themselves. They ain't got time to make arrows. See, I don't take pauses because I don't know what to say. I take pauses because I, I got to say it in my, first, in my mind first and then I can speak out. I'm not a very fluid speak English man. But when I'm under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I say it once and I'm saying it again. I'm not responsible for the things coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> If when I finish preaching, you don't want to come and shake my hand, it's fine with me. It's fine with me. Like arrows in the hands of the warrior are the sounds born in the youth. Today, there is a choice and the true fathers in the home. That's one of the biggest problems nowadays. Even we pastors, we need to be careful not to get too busy that we want to neglect our own house, our own children's. We need to be careful not to be wandering around doing the will of God. Because that's one of the deceptions on the enemy. Hey, but you're doing the will of God. Well, the first responsibility is in the house. Especially when you begin to get famous and they begin to invite you everywhere. It's fine. It's good. It's a blessing. But take your family with you. Don't leave your family behind. Teach your family, teach your kids. Look, man, it's a blessing to be under God's will. I don't understand all these pastors. They don't let the homeboys get involved in the things of the world, but they let the kids get involved in the things of the world. They don't let the homeboy stay back home because he got to do something in the, in the world. But the kids stay behind because, oh, they got to participate in this, they got to participate in that. I used to go to school and tell the, 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 the principal of the school, I'm taking my sons because we're going to a conference. Look, Mr. Gonzalez, you cannot do this. You cannot take your sons because they're going to stay behind and everybody's going to make fun of them. I say, look, listen to me. I'm taking my sons with me. I'm taking, but look, education is very important. I understand education is very important, but to me, the things of God is more important for my kids than education right now. And I'm taking it with me. You don't know what you're doing. I say, I know what I'm doing. See, because they try to convince you that you, that you don't know what you're doing, that your kids are going to miss something if you take them out of the school just to bring with you to the conferences. They're not going to miss nothing. God's grace and God's favor is going to be upon their lives. They're going to grow up to be a great man of God, a great woman of God, fighting next to you. 
fighting next to you in the things of the Lord. Today, there is a shortest and the true fathers in the house. Where's the fathers nowadays? Everywhere except in the house. You know what's the worldly man mentality? I'm working so I can give you the best things in life. That's the, that's the worldly man mentality. I'm over there making money so I can provide for you, your wife, and, you, and, and my kids. That's what I'm working. But you're never home. They don't need money. They need, they need the love of a father. The wife don't need no more money. She needs the companion of her husband. The government can give you more money than you. The government give you better houses than you. Don't get confused. Don't get confused that you got to go make money. Don't confront yourself to the things of the world. We are, we are in a new kingdom. We are under a new rules. We got a new law. Don't get confused. Don't get deceived by the enemy. Many men have abandoned the, the leadership responsibility and they have given it to the wife. Here, you take care of them. And then you, and then you, and then you want to go up there and reach the feminine men. Then you wonder around why they grow up to be a feminine. The only person they see when they were growing up it was the mom. Wearing high heels, putting makeup on it. Where was the man? Where is the masculine man in the house so they can grow up to, to have an example, a, a, a direction, a point of reference to grow up to be a man of God? Nowadays, you got a lot of men that look more like the mom. Not here, not here. Over there, by. Because the man have taught, has given the responsibility to, to the wife. And some home directors doing the same thing. They want to give the responsibility to the wife to take care of the home. Because you're too busy. If you're a home director, you ain't got no business in the street. You, you, your responsibilities in the house. Oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Stay home. A lot of men give their responsibility to the wife nowadays. Yeah, the wife needs to raise your kids when they one to six or seven because they need tenderness. They need the love of a mother. They need tenderness. They, a good arrow needs to grow up with tenderness. But then when he's seven or eight, you got he got he got he needs to come under you under the father. He needs to take him out. He needs to start showing the things of the, the things of a man do. Look, son, you don't wear high heels. Son, you don't need to pick the, your eyebrow out. Where's the man nowadays? Where's the father? Where's the watchman? 
Oh, he is, he is playing around. He's going to play around like that until he's 30. <laughs> oh, yes, the little kid, he's playing around. Well, you need to stop him while he's playing around. Because that's how everything starts when they're playing around. You want to make a good arrow when they 20, 25, boy, it's going to be, it's going to be a hard work. You need to start working on your arrows when they're little. When they're only six, seven, eight years old. What we need today in Christian homes are true fathers. We are willing to take the roles and become the leader in the house. We need a true fathers that are willing to take the roles and become the leaders in the house. You the priest of the house. If you don't preach to your family, who's going to preach to him? Yeah, you look good when you preach in front of a lot of people. Why don't you preach to your wife and your kids? You know why? Because they don't listen to you. Eh. You preaching to your wife and your wife say, shut up, shut up. First put in practice what you preach and then come and tell me what to do. Coach, before, besides God, your wife knows you. She knows you. And then you still ask her, do you still love me? After she knows the mess that you've been doing and she's still with you, she loves you, man. Do you still love me? She's still with you, ain't it? And she knows everything you do. Preach to your family. I told my son, this is, this is who we are. You think this is good for me and mom? Yes, okay, it's good for you too. And I hear a pastor say one thing. That, that I want to get up there and slap him in the face, man. I didn't do it because, you know, he was under anointing and I don't want to look bad. But he said he say something like this. That's why I sent my son to college because I don't want them to become a pastor like me because there's a lot of problems in the church. When I hear that man, I tell my sons, don't listen to that man. Don't listen to that man. He don't know what he say. He's, he spoke out of the emotions. Don't listen to that man. It's not a great calling, man, that to be being called by God. Because this is not a job. This is a divine calling. This is not a job. It's a divine calling. God wants to raise men in the house so they can become bulls and they can shoot those arrows. I'm telling you, man. I want you to know one thing, man. After this, we're still friends. We're still friends. We're still friends, Timothy. Huh? What we need today in Christian homes are true fathers. See, the, the world 
took the point of reference of the true father in the house. That's why there's hardly no fathers in the house today. When I was growing up in the Lord, there was this boy. They call him Boy George. You remember that Boy George? Oh, man. And Boy George, it was, it was a boy, but dressed like a woman. And he destroyed the point of reference. The little kids were looking at the TV. Ooh, who is he? He's a man or he's a girl? What is it? And that's what the devil wants for your kids to grow up, to grow up in confusion. That's why you need to stand up and be the man of the house. You need to surrender your heart to the Lord. You need to give everything to the Lord. Yeah. Die to self. Yeah. See, growing up in the ministry, man, they don't even know who I was. They don't even know that I was existing. They used to say, hi, hi to me and my wife. And they used to say, in what home you are? And we say, we were pastors already, but nobody knew who we were. You know why? Because we were back there raising my kids. I was raising my kids. I was raising Edgar and I was raising Emilio and I was raising my daughter. Me and my wife. They don't know. They don't even know who we were. They don't even know that we used to be pastors in Houston. Nobody knew that. And I don't think they still they don't know who we are. It's okay. God knows who we are. I was raising my family. You know that I found out that a lot of sons of pastors in the ministry, they grew up with bitterness in their heart toward their father because they were never home. They were spending time with the disciples. You know why sometimes pastors love to hang around with the disciples? And I'm going to say this with no, with no shame. You know why they love to hang around with the disciples? Because they say yes for everything. You hang around with your wife, with your wife and she say no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm going to leave you at home. I'm going to leave you at the house. I ain't going to take it with me no more. I'm going to take Timothy with me. He always says yes for everything. Yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. You don't want to be around your sons because you tell, tell your son, do something. Say, wait a minute, dad. I ain't got time right now. Dad, wait. But you tell the disciple, hey, go ahead and do this. Yes, sir, pastor. Yes, sir, pastor. Yes, sir, boss. Yes, sir, boss. Boss, boss, can I go to the restroom, boss? <laughs> Pastor Ruin Reina was thinking of inviting me to preach in Los Angeles. I don't know if he's going to do it after this. <laughs> That's a ball right there that he's to children arrows, man. When I was in the home, he was already a bow in the hands of the Lord. And he was already shooting arrows, and he's still shooting arrows to this day. That's an arrow that has not been broke. Thank you, Jesus. We need more men like that. We need more examples of the men like that, that they stay faithful in the things of the Lord. Big building, a small building, and the tent everywhere. They don't, he don't care. He just want to preach the gospel. And I remember one day we had a tent just like this one, a little bit, little one, little one over in Houston and Harrisburg Street. And we invited a preacher to preach in the tent. And this man came to the, to the tent with three-piece suit. 
and he sit down and he start looking around and then he saw that we only have like 10 people in the, in the tent and he told me, Pastor, I'll be back. I got to go to the store and buy me some gums. He never came back. He never came back and the Lord told me, you know why he ain't came back? Because he see there was not going to be enough offering. I say, what? I didn't know, I didn't know Pastor used to think like that. I'm in love with God. I just want to preach the gospel. I used to pay guys $5 to listen to me. For real. I used to go to the neighborhood and I used to preach to the guys. He said, nah, Emilio, I ain't got time right now. Emilio, I got to go. I said, I got $5. Yeah, yeah, what do you guys say, man? What you going to say, man? I say, I'm going to give you $5 if you listen to me for 15 minutes. Boy, I have a congregation of three winers right there. Listen to me when I was preaching the gospel. I pray for them. I walk them into Christ and everything. I say, here's your five dollars. Now, whatever you do with the money is not on me. But they listen and I walk them to Christ. My sons don't want to come. Tell them you're going to buy some new tennis. See if they don't come to church. Boy. Tell your wife you're going to buy a new dress. She don't come to church. Tell your wife you're going to buy a new ring. But she don't come to church. Oh, honey, I follow you everywhere you go, honey. I'll be praising the Lord like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love Jesus. And just hey, fate enough that one of those occasions the Lord's going to touch her heart. And she's going to follow you even if you don't buy no rings. Hallelujah. If the home is to be successful, the man must be leader in the home. And sometimes it requires to be a tough leader. Somebody say a tough leader. I'm going to do it. What you talk about? You ain't going to do it. You pay no bills around this house, boy. I'm the father. Yeah, but you don't know. I know what I'm talking about. You want to do what I'm telling you to do. Ah, oh, you don't care. You cannot force me. I'm not forcing you. I'm teaching you. Now that we got parents, and then the boys say, I don't, don't want to do Ah, whatever. Do whatever you want. I need to grow up, my sons. Hey, I don't want to feel like going to church today. I said, Sensei, when you follow the Lord by feelings. There's no feelings in this house. Make a sacrifice of praise. I don't feel like praising the Lord. I'm not asking you if you feel like it. You need to make a sacrifice of praise. Well, I don't want to force. I don't want to force. I don't want to force a, a, a religion into my son. Boy, come on here so I can slap you. I don't want to force. They're only three, four years. You, want to, you don't want to force religion in their life? What are you talking about? He's your children, man. The Bible says raise them in the ways of the Lord. Raise your children in the ways of the Lord. You know, one of the things that the, the homeboys, the homeboys, in the house, they, they, they say, man, pastor, 
one of the things impacted my life when I came over here, it was, it was the love of God, and the other thing was, you know, the love in your family. The way you guys serve the Lord together. I said, that's, that's what the Lord brought you here. He wants you to grow up to be a man of God with your wife or your kids one day. If you ain't got kids right now, God is going to give it to you. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm too old. Don't worry about it. They can come free nowadays, man. You get a wife with three kids and they're already yours. I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm, too old. I'm too old to have family. Don't worry about it, man. God give you kids, man. God give you a wife with three, four, five kids nowadays. Don't worry about it. <laughs> to be a leader in the home needs to be, sometimes you need to be a little tough. Amen? Sometimes the wife get a little bit, you know? Don't be afraid of your wife. Oh, I think I hit the spot right there. Don't get afraid of your wife. The least show like you're not afraid. <laughs> a real father, husband, and a leader of his home is to be a Christ-like. Can somebody say amen? amen. My son, Neger, when he was little, he was growing up in the Lord. And one day he, he said this, and it really touched my heart. He said, amen. The reason I learned to love the Lord is because I saw my father praying. Amen. Because I used to see my father praying when I was growing up. See, you children, so they can become a good straight arrows. They need to see you praying. They need to see you telling your wife, their mom, you know what, I'm sorry. I make mistakes. Men say I'm sorry. Real men say I'm sorry. And you're teaching your children to say, I'm sorry, it's okay. It's not, a, it's not being weak. It's not being like, no, it's, it's a being a real man. So when they grow up and they make mistakes, they can say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. My pastor used to tell me this, even when a little bit father, he said, sometimes you're going to hug your wife and kiss your wife in front of your, kids, your children because that's going to impart peace in their lives. Because when they see you fighting and arguing, they don't know how to deal with that in the spirit. They don't know how to deal with that in their hearts, man. They go to school worrying about it. Man, I hear my mom telling my father, I want to leave you. No, I don't want my mom to leave my father. They go to school not thinking right, not learning anything, because they go to school with worry. Sometimes we wonder why my kids is not learning school. Because his mind is... Tormented. Mother and the father, you got to die to self. You got to give your children the opportunity to, to grow up healthy in the things of the Lord. You got to die to self. God has given the office of the priest of the house to the man. God has given us the office. God has given us the college to be a priest in the house. Amen. God wants you to be able to you minister to your wife and minister to your kids. When you see them, the devil wants to come and, and, and get in, and sidetrack them. You you jump in and you begin to minister to your kids, man. 
God has designed the man to play that part. God has given us that calling in the house. Man, like it or not, you are a priest. You are a priest in your house. Before you want to preach behind a pulpit, before you want to preach, preach in your house. Preach in your house. Preach to your wife. Preach to your kids. Sit down and teach them the word of God. Sit down and teach them the ways of the Lord. You don't do this. You don't do that. Impart into their hearts the fear of the Lord. So when they grow up, that fear of the Lord is going to take them away from sin. Men, like it or not, you are a priest. It is the job of the priest to minister not only to the Lord, but also to his wife and his children. Children are a gift from God. And it is the father's responsibility to lead them, to lead the wife and the children in righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about be perfect. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. But I repent. As a father, I make a lot of mistakes in my life, but I repent. I repent and I cry out to the Lord. I wish I can change it, but there's nothing that I can do to change it. But I can continue to move on. Repent in the Lord. Confess your sins. Because having your family around, they want to find out a lot of things. They want to see you. Fathering is a tough job. And it requires a man to do it, not a wimp. See, when I was making arrows, I used to get my, my machete. And I used to go to the river. Because the Rio Bravo was right there next to my house. There you go. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, I, used to, I used to look for this type of tree. I don't know how you say it in English. In Spanish, it's called granjeno. It's a type of tree, man, that you can cut those, those, those sticks, man. And, and that's a very flexible. It's a very flexible. You can bend them all the way. It's not, it's not going to break. Even though the stick was straight, I used to put a piece of wire. And I used to bend that, that, that stick into, into the shape of a, of a bow. And then put them in the fire. I didn't know what I was doing, but see, now, now I know that everything has a purpose and a reason, man. See, that bow has not a shape of a boat, but I, I put them in the fire, and I bend it, and I time it out with a piece of wire, and I burn it down, and by the time I pull it out from the fire, that, that, that piece of stick had a shape of a bow, and was a strong. And I, I used to look for the arrows, the straight arrows, the piece of wood that was straight, and I used, to, I, I used to make arrows, and I used to throw them with the, with the bow, and I used to see how the arrow, sometimes when you throw it, the air, pick the arrow up and go sideways, and you miss the target. And I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I used to throw another one, and, and it goes straight, and they go up. And then I say, I, I know what I need to do. I need to put weight. I need to put some weight on the point of the arrow. So I put some weight on it. And then I used to throw the arrow, man, and the arrow goes straight and hit the mark. You know what, that We need the weight in, in, in our lives is Jesus. Discipline, correction, rebuking. 
If you ain't got no weight on you, if you ain't got no weight on you, your pastor's going to launch you out, and then the way, you're going to get sidetracked. You're going to get sidetracked by the pleasures of this world. You need to have that weight in you. You need to, The head of you needs to be Jesus. You need to die to self so God can do something through your life. God can only work with a dead man. God cannot use a man that is still alive in the flesh. God cannot use a man that he comes to God and say, Look, God, I got this idea, and I got this idea, and I got this plan, and I got this other plan, Lord, and I want you to bless all my ideas and all my plans. The Lord says, I can't do nothing with you. You don't need to be dead. So I can flow through you without any help from you. The need nowadays in the house is a true father. You don't make an error when they're 25. You make an error when they're little. You take care of that error. See, you bring your little errors to the church, and then you, you teach your little error. Look, among, among us, sometimes there's wolves. Oh, they look just like the sheep. But among us, there's some wolves. Look, you see that one right there? Look like a sheep. It's not a sheep. It's a wolf. My son, listen to me. Don't follow his instructions. Because God has given it to you. You're not going to trust your son to yes anybody. How are you going to throw your son to somebody you don't even know? What kind of, what kind of bad habits they got? Huh? You're going to take care of your children. Growing up in the Lord, I had a lot of opposition from my family and from my wife's family. A lot of opposition. Because they want my kids to spend the night in their house. And say, Nah. What do you mean? You don't trust me? I'm your mother. I'm your... I say, I love you. But you ain't got Jesus in your heart. The devil can come in and out anytime. I ain't going to let my son spend the night. If he's not safe, you can call me whatever you want. Call me whatever you want. My wife, my family used to call me whatever they want. I say, it's all right. I know what it is to be a kid because I was in a house when I was a kid where they have no fear of the Lord. And the devil wants to mess up the mind of the little one, of the little girl when they're little so they can grow up to be a messed up arrow. And it's our responsibility to take care of those arrows. So pastor, you don't let your son spend the night at your family house? Nope. They were drunkards, man. They had the house full of idols. I don't know about you, but the Bible says behind every idol is a demon. I don't know about you, but if you read the Bible, but I read the Bible and I say, oh, no. I want my sons to grow up healthy. I didn't let my sons play hide and see. What's wrong with you? You were a little kid when you played hide and see. Nah, it's just quiet in the house. 
See, the little kid, the little girl got a same for nature already. You got to take care of the little arrow when they're little. Somebody say, take care of your arrows. Father, God has given us the responsibility to bring up our children in the way of righteousness. A real father is the one who has given God all his heart. That's a real father. A real father is the one that's given God all his heart. And say, Lord, here's my heart. Make me in a boat so I can be able to lead my children in the right way. The most important thing in life for him are God and his family. See, we got a saying in the church that says, we are more than a ministry. We are more than the church. We're a family. I don't get this as a job. Pastoring a church, I don't get it like a job. It's a calling from God. It's a divine calling. It's a divine calling. It's given by God. This is not a job. Don't get confused. See, when I was in the world, I used to hang around. We used to go to the gatherings, and I used to hang around with nothing but men. The men's on one side, the women's on the other side. And then I came to Christianity, and I began to see the same thing. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not right. I used to be like this when I was in the world. I used to leave my wife home every time. I used to leave my children's homes every time. I said, no, no, this is different. It's got to be something. It's got to be different. I don't think it's like this. So when you when you growing up, when you're raising up arrows, you're not gonna be you're not gonna have time to be up there in the front sometimes. Because you're raising up arrows. And you, you gotta be there to protect. See, when a mother is raising up children, she's not up there. She's at the house. My daughter's got four kids, and she's a mother. Where did she learn that? From my wife. When my wife had my sons, she stopped working, and she stayed home to raise my kids, to raise our family. Now I see my son Emilio come to the conference with his wife, with his kids. Where he learned that? Watching me, watching me and my wife, bringing him to the conferences. So now he's bringing his family, he's bringing his daughters, he's bringing his wife. This is not a job, this is a calling, a divine calling. Don't get confused. If the Lord has called you, man, the Lord called your wife and your family. I decided in my heart, me and my wife, we decided in our heart not to give our keys to the world. Even though there's a lot of great opportunities up there, even though there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of things up there that shine and sometimes they can become desirable in your heart. But I say, look, if we give everything for God, you guys got to give everything for God too. Me and mommy follow the Lord. Make a choice. 
So they decide to follow the Lord. They, have, they got peace. They got joy. They got rest. The Lord has given rest in a mighty way. They bless. I cannot say I, I, I bless my kids. The Lord bless my kids. When, the, when you listen to the word and you want to send your kids to the world because what are they going to do when they grow up? Boy, you got a mighty God. You got a powerful God. He can take care of you, your grandma, and everybody else in your family. God can take care of you. Raise your kids in the ways of the Lord so when they grow up, they don't get apart from them. See, my son Edgar could become a good doctor, man. Man, my son, when I get sick, he say, Lord, look at this, this, this is wrong with you. Do this, take this. He's, he's got a knowledge. God's giving him a knowledge, man, on the medicine. But we take no, we don't do no, how do you say, consultas? But God has given this, this mind that I'm amazed when he's opened his mouth begin to talk. My son Emilio, God has given this wisdom. I say, man, one day, mijo, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. You know why I bring my grandson right here to the front when I came to the pulpit? Because that's how you make an arrow. You get him close to the fire. Come on, son. Get him close to the fire. Come on, mijo. Look at your grandpa. Look at your tios. Look at your mom. Look at your dad. Where are we? In God's presence. Where you need to be? In God's presence. God is giving you family. Before he give you a ministry, you got a family. Sometimes you need to slow down because your kids are little. Don't try to reach the world and neglect your sons. Because at the long run, you're going you're gonna to lose something. Slow down. Wait. Wait. Now, God is using me, my wife, my sons, everybody to reach out to the disciples, to reach out to the drug addict. Now we're all together reaching out. We're all together reaching out. It was a time of waiting. It was a time to sit back and wait because they were little. It's a time for you need to wait. Especially if you got family, you got little ones. Don't worry about it. God is not forget about you. He's not going to pass you by. He got something special for you. Take care of your family right now. Take care of your family. And then God's going to send you all your spiritual sons. Spiritual daughters. Don't get too anxious to be up there. When you got little ones. If you want to be up there, well, bring it with you. Bring your whole family with you. And the Old Testament, the example was physical, but now in the New, in the New Testament, 
The Bible says if you don't know how to govern your house, how are you going to govern the house of God? How are you going to give discipline to the disciple because he didn't come to church one Sunday, but you don't give discipline to your son because he don't come to church? Your son don't need to be disciplined? You rebuke a sister because she didn't she didn't get she didn't went to church, but you don't rebuke your wife that she's never at church. So she don't need to be at church. Don't get confused. Oh, but he's my son. Yeah, he's your son. And he's not gonna get saved just by staying home. When he grew up, he's gonna grow up with coldness in his heart towards the things of God. You need to bring it with you when they little. If your disciple needs discipline, your kids need discipline. If your disciple needs Jesus, your kids need Jesus. Your whole family needs Jesus. It's a great responsibility that God has given us. The real father longs to be Christ-like because he wants to produce godly children. The true father has yelled to God, will. The true father has yelled to God so he can become an arrow in the hands of God. First of all, you need to give yourself to God. You need to give yourself to God. Lord, change me. Change my heart. Lord, take away those things that don't please you, Lord. Everything else come by the grace of God. God begins to pour down the blessings, the anointing, the grace, the favor upon your life. When God chooses the arrow at the target that he wants to hit, God hits the mark. Why? Because you grow up your kids in the ways of the Lord. And when it's time to them to deal with God, they're going to hit the target. There's a great man in the Bible, great man of God. Eli, the priest, he was a great man of God. He didn't discipline his kids. He let them do whatever they want in the church. That's why sometimes the sons of the pastors, they get a bad reputation, man. Because people see them do whatever they want in the church. The kids of Eli, he was a priest. But he never rebuked his sons. He never gave discipline to his son. Even the Lord come and rebuke Eli and say, man, how can you never discipline your kids? How can you never stop that craziness in their lives? Eli was a priest, but then he neglected his family. Samuel was a great prophet of God. And when it was time for him to go to the Lord, their people, their nation, didn't want his sons because his sons were crooked. Yeah, he was a great man of God. God used him in a mighty way. But he neglected his sons. King David was a great king. And he had many sons. But there was murderers and, and rapers and killers among his sons because 
He had all this authority over the people, but he didn't apply that authority in his house. Apply that authority in your house. The Bible, give, the Bible says that God given us sons so we can give it back to him. When you don't want to give your sons back to the Lord, God says, why are you stingy with me? Man, look at the way I'm blessing you. Look at the way I treated you. And you don't want to give me your sons to me? You offend the Lord when you don't want to give your sons to the Lord. See, the people of Israel, man, they were murmuring complaining when they were in the desert. Why did you brought us here, Lord? Why did you brought us here? Our kids are going to die. It was better for us to stay in Egypt. And the Lord heard their murmuring complaining. and he got upset with them. He said, you know what? All of you, 20 years and up, all of you are going to die in the desert. And all of them, the 20 years younger, I'm going to keep it. Because you say that I cannot take care of you, sons. You moaning and complaining your heart, talking about I cannot take care of your sons. You're gonna die, and I'm gonna bless your son. I'm gonna take care of your son, the one that you say that was not able to take care. What kind of arrows you growing? You need to raise arrows for the Lord. Disciple man, yes, I love. I mean, I live in the home. I tell the guys, they're right here. They're right here in front of me. And I say, man, when I'm in the home, I feel like fish in the water. I love to be in the home. But I love to be with my family too. There's a balance. There's a balance in your life. There's got to be a balance in your life. Don't get so caught up in the mentality of just reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, and it's good to reach out. But don't forget to reach out your family. So you don't have to be praying for your sons when he's 25, 30 years old. God had mercy upon my life. And I always tell my son Emilio, tell my, my son-in-law Roman and my daughter, I say, don't let, don't let the next generation lose the fear of the Lord in their hearts because that's how generations get lost maybe me and you and your mother starting fire and you too but what about your sons teach them the ways of the Lord the way we teach you the ways of the Lord let your son marry a, a, a Christian girl a, a Christian woman that loves the Lord Do you know that the, 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 the first women is the ones that took the sons of God astray from God? The Delilahs? Ooh, the Delilahs. But they put, they're nothing but ugly girls in the church, Pastor. Well, they might not look like the Delilahs, but they got a clean heart. They got a beautiful heart. They love the Lord. Let your sons marry one of those. Oh, my son got a girlfriend, but by faith, he's going to save her. Boy. (laughs) 
she don't want to come to church now that they're going around boy and girlfriend what make you think that she's going to come to church when they marry wake up and smell the coffee Well, I believe the anointing upon my son is going to bring her back. No, the anointing of the Lila is going to take your son away. The anointing took Samson away from God. All you got to do is obey. The Bible says, don't have to do nothing with unbeliever. Well, but sometimes you, you grow up so much in the Lord. Now you got so much knowledge. You got so much study, Bible studies in your mind. Now you think you know more than God. Man, you got more revelations than the Holy Spirit. I mean, you come out with some revelations that I say, where did this man get this from? He's watching too much Discovery Channel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. Man, the first calling in your life is to be a father. Is to be a leader in your house. The first calling in your life, women, is to be a mother. To raise those kids in the ways of the Lord. Raise those kids in the ways of the Lord. Man, my heart rejoices when I see my son Edgar and my son Emilio on the altar praising and serving the Lord. When I see my daughter raising his children. When I see my son-in-law in the church. My heart rejoices. There's no money in this world that can give me more peace. And I give all the honor and all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. All the honor and all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy to be praised. The dear one stole that office from you. The devil one to offer you fame. There's no more fame than the ones you get at your house. That's the greatest fame right there. Be a man of the house. Be a leader of your house. A leader brings his people with him. It's easy to bring 30, 40 homeboys at the conference, but what about your family? You're the leader of the house? You the leader of the house? Hmm? I'm preaching. I mean, I, I sit down and I listen to all of you for two days in a row. Now it's my time. Today we need fathers who are willing to be the arrows. Today we need a fathers to be willing to be the arrowhead and not the chef. Be the arrowhead. You need to point your kids in the ways of the Lord. My son Emilio was 70 year old. I say, I need to find out something, Lord. You call me, you call my son. I need to find out something. I need to find out if the anointing is upon my son. So I say, son, you're going to preach this Sunday. No, I don't. I say, yes, you are. You're going to look silly because I'm not going to go there. I say, yes, you are. Dad, don't call me because I'm not going to go. I say, yes, you are. Dad, 
not ready. Yes, you are. I said, you know what? You're never going to be ready. So you need to jump into the boat. So I put my son to preach when he was 70 years old. I sit down. And my God, my God. The anointing fell upon his life. And I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. See, God has is, God is given us the job to open a space for our kids and the ministry. He started preaching when he was 17. He hasn't stopped since then. And God has given the most anointing and anointing and anointing. My son Edgar used to get up there and play the drums when he was five, six years old. I got videos. One day I'm going to bring up videos. He was following the CD. One day the Holy Spirit revealed to me, say, put him in the in the music in the music school. Invest in your son. And I told my wife, so we put him in the music school. I said, son, you gotta go and learn keyboard, you gotta go and learn music. He went for three months. One Sunday morning I was gonna preach and I said, son, do you already know a worship or you don't know one son, one son or two? He said, I know one worship. I said, get up there, even if you gotta repeat it three, four, five times, sing the same song. But get up there and start praising the Lord. He got up there one time and he had never came down. He started, God has given more anointing and more anointing and more anointing to praise the Lord. God is using his life in a mighty way. God is using the life of my daughter. Oh, when my wife get upset, I call my daughter and say, Mika, come over here. What are you doing to my day, man? <laughs> she loves me. Every birthday, every Father's Day, she give me a present and say, thank you for not giving up when I was growing up in the Lord. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for building my life in the ways of the Lord. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But I cannot do this by myself. My wife... My wife was my help. Jesus and my wife, she's always next to me. Always fighting, the, fighting this good fight next to me. Some, sometimes they call my phone and say, Pastor, Mama, because around you, I say, when was the last time that you see me by myself? When was the last time you see me by myself? Where I am, she's, she's helping me to raise my kids. She's a great mother, a great wife. She's a fighter. Oh, she's a fighter. She fight. She fight in the name of Jesus. She's a fighter. Man, we were having some spiritual warfare. That she get into a battlefield and man, the devil runs away. Ooh, I'm telling you, man. Say you lying devil, you ain't gonna come and mess with my family, you're not gonna come and mess with my marriage, you're not gonna come and mess with God is giving me. Take your filthy, ugly hands out of my marriage, out of my family. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, and Jesus you're fighting and fighting and fighting. And I'm over here laying down saying, Amen, 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 <laughs> Amen. She's a great fighter. She was not afraid when we used to be in the world. She's not afraid now that we in Jesus. Then we used to fight six, seven guys in the world after the dance. 
And she was right there next to me with the, with the zapato, with the high heel in her Come on, come on, let's get down. I said, hold on, baby, there's too many. No, come on, let her go, let her go. She was crazy in the world now. She's crazy for Jesus. Can't change this life for nothing. I remember the day that we moved out of my house into the home. You know, I miss my house, but she got it. It hit her more hard because she put all her house, all her heart in the house. She's a housewife. She's always, she's always been like that. So when we moved from my house to the home, one day I went to a room and she was crying and she was crying and said, I, don't, I can't take it no more, Emilio. She didn't even want to drive by the house because she didn't want to see the house because she was missing the house. And I said, no, don't worry about it. Don't, don't give up on me. Don't, no, no, it's, I don't know, me. I said, don't give up on me. Keep moving. Keep doing it. God is, God is, God is going to do a miracle in your life. God is going to heal your heart. God is going to give you more blessing. God is going to open doors. One time, she was like broken. And since at that time, she never broke again. She's always walking in faith. She's always been walking in faith. You need a good wife. You need to be the man of the house. You want to raise arrows? Be the man of the house. You can raise no arrows when you're absent. God is looking for a man. God is looking for a woman to take care of her children. First calling that God has given us is to be a leader in the house. That when the devil comes against you, you don't run and hide. You stick your face out. Like a man. Man of God. You don't run and hide. You come out to the front and, and fight in Jesus' name, in the spirit. And don't give up. Don't ever let two sons see you, you're giving up. Even if you're in pain, even if you're hurt, even if you feel discouraged, you feel like nothing is coming your way. You keep walking. You keep preaching. You keep lifting up the name of Jesus. Because you're building arrows. It's not about you. It's about God and about your descendants. It's never about you. It's never about me. It's about God and my descendants. So take that position that God has given you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Receive that anointing. 